0: Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, June 9th. I'm Nyla Budu. Today on the show, an El Nino announcement spells bad news for weather, plus what to read this summer. But first, Donald Trump now becomes the first former president to face a federal indictment. The week in politics is today's one big thing. Last night, Donald Trump said he'd been indicted by a federal grand jury. His attorney told CNN the seven counts include obstruction of justice, making false statements, and willful retention of classified documents, which is a violation of the Espionage Act. He also said Trump has been summoned to appear at a federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday. This comes after the former president's late-March indictment by a Manhattan grand jury in a Hush Money case. We've got that and more, including a surprising ruling by the Supreme Court yesterday for our Friday State of Play with Axios's Hans Nichols. So, Hans, what do we know about the details of this latest indictment?
1: The big picture here, the former president of the United States is being indicted. And there are seven counts, and it pertains to the documents that he had with him at Mar-a-Lago. Crucially, it's not just the fact that he had the documents, but it was the potential surrender of the documents. And that's where the obstruction of justice charge gets in. And on Tuesday, the former president of the United States is going to be surrendering himself and the process is beginning. Now, there's a lot we don't know. We don't know the timing. We don't know the sequencing on if this case goes to trial versus the Manhattan hush money case. And we still don't know what it looks like as a country to have a presidential frontrunner under indictment facing a trial as he's seeking the nomination of his party. And at that point, again, we don't know the timing, the former president could be the Republican nominee and he could also be facing trial. And that's just not something any of us know how to handle.
0: Let's turn to the Supreme Court. Can you tell us about this ruling and why it was a surprise?
1: Well, it was a 5-4 decision. Some of the conservatives sided with the liberals, and they basically tossed out an Alabama map that really constricted minorities to one district. And on a practical implication, this means that minority representation, at least in Alabama, has the possibility to increase. The same is true in Louisiana, and we'll see whether or not it has implications throughout the South, including Texas and Georgia. So, you know, we're early in the cycle. We don't know how redrawn maps will affect things. There are other states that can redraw their maps. The initial take on this is that this could mean a few more Democratic seats than had the Supreme Court approved these maps. And as we saw in New York in 2022, that has implications.
0: This has been a tough week on the East Coast and in the Great Lakes region with smoke from Canadian wildfires. How have lawmakers responded to this?
1: You know, on Thursday, I talked to some lawmakers, some Senate Republicans on this to see if it's actually changed anyone's sort of view of climate change and if it is going to have any impact on the discussion. The sense I got from Republicans is that it's just forest fire and that this will not have policy implications. It's really unpleasant to be in. And those of us that grew up in the West Coast, uh, you know, this has is, this is been happening far too frequently in the summer, but this isn't unique. But if if anyone was thinking that this was somehow going to, you know, change the overall political dynamic and conversation as it relates to climate change and its effects and, more importantly, the potential solutions to climate change and what sort of investments the country may need to make, I don't think this is it. I could be wrong. I could be surprised. But again, uh, the handful of uh, Senate Republicans I talked to on Thursday, they were almost offended by the question.
0: Hans Nichols is part of Axios' political team. Thanks, Hans. Thanks for having me. another climate story we're watching, El Nino is officially back after about a four-year hiatus NOAA announced yesterday. Axios' Andrew Friedman reminds us why that matters.
2: El Nino is probably the biggest player in terms of a natural climate cycle in global weather and climate that there is. It is a pattern of warming in the equatorial tropical Pacific, and so you have warmer water there that in turn causes all sorts of atmospheric responses from the reversal of trade winds to shifting of tropical rainfall patterns That can then cause sort of a chain reaction in the atmosphere so that you get certain weather patterns develop in North America and other areas. For the United States in particular, we're really looking mostly at impacts for this hurricane season, which is a huge wild card because El Nino typically leads to fewer hurricanes and fewer hurricane landfalls, actually. Yet the Atlantic Ocean is at record warm temperatures, which argues for more storms than average. So those two factors are going to be fighting it out throughout the summer. Uh, And we're not really exactly sure how it's going to play out.
0: That's Exus's climate and energy reporter, Andrew Friedman. In a moment, we kick off our summer reading series. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. This summer, we're inviting you to read along with us as part of Axios Today's summer reading series. Whether you're hoping to catch up on those titles piled up on your nightstand, or if you need a fresh list of recommendations, we've got you covered. And I thought the best person to kick things off for us is Greta Johnson. She's host of the Nerdette podcast and WBEZ Chicago's, quote, resident book nerd. Hi, Greta. Welcome to Axios Today.
3: So exciting to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So let's talk titles. We thought of some common summer scenarios, and we're hoping you can recommend a book for each one. How does that sound?
3: That sounds great. I am ready.
0: Okay, so the first one is a very obvious travel. A lot of our listeners are hitting the road for trips this summer. What's the best book to read if you're going on a road trip?
3: I am going to recommend Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay-Brenya. Was this on your radar at all, Nyla? No. It is getting a lot of hype. The premise is wild. The idea is that it's set in sort of like a near future, alternate future, where kind of everything that's wrong with America has just gotten way worse. And the idea is that incarcerated people fight to the death on TV. It also has really elaborate footnotes that describe the penal system in current-day America. There's also a lot of, like, action-packed sequences when these fights are taking place. Like, it's got a lot of forward momentum in a lot of different ways, so I thought it would make, make a good, especially car trip listen.
0: So what if you're not going anywhere and you're going to be stuck inside all summer? Is there a good book that helps readers escape?
3: Yes. So this one is actually Nerdette's June book club selection. As you know, we have a monthly book club where we pick a book a month, and I do like a spoiler-free author interview in the beginning of the month. Her name is Shannon Chakraborty, and her book is called The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi. So it's historical fantasy. It takes place during the Crusades around the Indian Ocean. And our protagonist is like a middle-aged Muslim lady pirate. And the main trope we're working with in this one is like the one last job scenario. So it's like picture Ocean's 11 where like the crew gets back together, except it's all these like badasses in the Indian Ocean in the 12th centuries. You
0: completely have sold me on that. (laughs) Right. So I just came back from a family reunion in Trinidad. What should have been my companion reading and what should everyone who's going to family reunions this summer
3: Okay, so my thought for this one is one that came out late last year, and it's called Now Is Not the Time to Panic. It's by Kevin Wilson. I think this one, especially if you always felt a little bit like the odd one out, this book is so much about being a teenager. In In this case, it's Tennessee in the 90s, and these two kids meet each other and recognize that they're both weird in similar ways. I think that would be a really nice one to sort of, like, help you get through it.
0: I will freely admit that I am still in the first season of Succession, like the only person in the world, and I don't know, somehow managed to avoid spoilers. It seems like the rest of the world is in Succession withdrawal, so what should they read?
3: So this one was so easy because there is, in fact, a nonfiction book you could argue Succession was definitely based on. It's called Unscripted, The Epic Battle for a Media Empire and the Redstone Family Legacy. It's by James B. Stewart and Rachel Abrams, who are both New York Times reporters. And this is all about Sumner Redstone, who founded Viacom. He was the chairman of CBS and also, therefore, Paramount Pictures. I mean, you think Succession is scandalous, this book is wild.
0: Greta Johnson is host of the Nerdette podcast. Thanks,
3: Greta. Thanks, Nyla. This was very fun. We'll have more
0: recommendations and more of your summer reading ideas soon. One thing I've already learned from all the text messages we've received so far this week is that the physical book is still preferred by many of you over e-readers and audiobooks. To quote listener Noel in San Juan, Puerto Rico, nothing beats the feel and smell of paper. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is produced by Fonda Mwangi, Lydia McMullen-Laird, and Robin Lin, along with our senior sound engineer, Alex Sugiyara. Alexandra Boti is our supervising producer. Asia Whitaker-Moore is Axios' executive editor, and Sarah kailani is Axios' editor-in-chief. I'm Nyla Budu. Stay safe, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday.